title of our message today is simply the eyes of the Lord will be upon us all year. We're going to be looking at Deuteronomy chapter 11 verses 7 through 12 this morning. Deuteronomy is the fifth book in your Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So if you've got your copy of God's Word or your smart device and want to find that or if you want to follow along, we're going to read these verses together. They'll be on the screen and to honor this portion of God's Word as just that, His Word. I'm going to ask you if you're able to join me in standing as we show our reverence for the reading of this passage. Just a little context. Moses is speaking to the people of God before they enter into Canaan, the promised land. And he is reminding them to love the Lord and to keep all of His commandments and all of His statutes and all of His rules. And he He says, don't ever forget what he's done for you, what he did to Pharaoh, what he did in Egypt, what he did, those mighty deeds there in the wilderness. And then he continues here in verse 7 of our text, Deuteronomy 11 and verse 7. You'll see it on the screen. Moses says, for your eyes have seen all the great work of the Lord that he did. You shall therefore keep the whole commandment that I command you today that you may be strong and go in and take possession of the land that you are going over to possess and that you may live long in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give to them and to their offspring a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land that you are entering to take possession of, it is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come where you sowed your seed and irrigated it like a garden of vegetables. But the land that you are going over to possess is a land of hills and valleys which drinks water by the rain from heaven, a land that the Lord your God cares for. And then note this statement from Moses. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. May God add his blessings to his word. Thank you, friends, and you may be seated. What Moses is doing in this text as he's communicating with God's people before they go into the promised land is he's contrasting the experience that they had in Egypt with the kind of life that they're going to have over in the promised land. And he's reminding them that life in Egypt was hard. It was tough. It depended on the work of their own hands. They had to sow the seed. And then they had to, when the Nile rivers would overflow, get that water into reservoirs and then slowly allow it out to irrigate their fields and their crops hard work. But he said, no, no, it's not going to be that way. Over into the land that the Lord your God is leading you into. He said, it's a land of hills and fertile valleys that just drink in the water of heaven. In other words, this was a difference. It was a contrast. In the old land, they were going to 
benefit from the work of their own hands. But in the new land, they were going to be dependent upon and greatly benefit from the provision of the Lord. Now, friends, I would remind you this morning that in the New Testament, Christians are said to be living in the promised land. Amen? We don't have to have as our song on Jordan's stormy banks, I stand and cast a wistful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. I know one day we're going to cross the chilly Jordan rivers of death and enter into the ultimate promised land of heaven. But friends, if you're a believer, you're in the promised land now. The Christian life is one that's living in a spiritual Canaan. And one way to apply this text is to think of this. When we were lost, when we did not know Christ, we would have to kind of work up our own providence, right? If we were going to have our needs met, whether you're talking physical needs or spiritual needs, we were going to have to supply that. We were going to have to secure that. In other words, there'd be no joy. There'd be no comfort. There'd be no peace. There'd be no provision unless we somehow worked it up. But folks, if you are a believer, I would remind you, you are already a citizen of another country, right? Paul said, our citizenship is in heaven. Now, you got the same problems as those who are lost. You have the same challenges, but oh, listen, there's a difference, isn't there? We have a heavenly Father. We have a guide. We have a protector. We have a provider. We have a friend, our heavenly Father. And we have our Joshua. Our Yeshua, Jesus, who has led us in to a promised land. Now, there's some enemies left in the land, just as there were in the Old Testament, enemies of our soul that we still have to drive out. But I want to tell you, friends, if you are a promised land person, this text is going to be precious to you today. As we're on the eve of going right into a new year, especially verse 12. I want the fellows to put that verse back on the screen and see what Moses said. This was the promise, the last part of that verse. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it, talking about the the new land, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. What a great verse. For the end of the year, but also on the eve of a new year. I want you to note this one introductory truth that's on your listening guide, and it'll be on the screen, and it is this. What the Lord promised to Israel as they prepared to enter a new land can be applied to us as we enter a new year. Think about it, friends, on this December 31st. Just as Israel was leaving an old land behind, we're today and tomorrow especially leaving an old year behind. And I don't know about you, but I want to say good riddance to 2023. And just as Israel was entering into a new land, a future, a promised land, so we tomorrow are going to enter into a new year. And just 
as Moses promised that the eyes of the Lord were going to be upon that land and consequently, of course, upon them in that land. Friends, we can claim that promise on this New Year's Eve that the eyes of the Lord are going to be on us all year long. From the beginning of the year, Moses said, to the end of the year. So I want to take this verse 12 today, and I want to do four things to it. I I first ran across this concept in a message I read years ago from Charles Spurgeon. And I want to take some of that material and kind of make it our own today. But but he let me see this one verse in a brand new light. So let's do four things to this passage. All right, number one, you'll note there on the screen, let's examine this text as it is broken down. Spurgeon said that the truths and the phrases and the words in this one verse, verse 12 of Deuteronomy 11, he said they were like jewels in a necklace. And as you examine each part individually, then you see how valuable these phrases are and how precious they are. And so I'm going to get the fellows to put these different phrases on the screen as we break this text down and examine it. So note this first phrase, just the two words, the eyes. He's speaking here, of course, of the eyes of the Lord are on us. They're going to be on us from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Now, now folks, this is not a reference, I don't believe, to the omniscience of God. You might say, well, isn't it true that God sees everybody? And of course he does. He sees everybody. He knows everybody. But I believe this is speaking of a gaze of God that he has on his own people that is sweetened by his love. Those who have followed their Joshua, Jesus, and they're living the promised land experience. It's an observation that is sweetened from that personal relationship that he has with us. We are his people. He is our God. It's not that he just sees us, that he has his eyes on us, but he observes us with great delight and with great care and with great compassion and with much affection He is looking at us all year long with interest and care and concern that, folks, we can drink deeply of and experience what lost people cannot. Can I share on this last day of 23 the best news anybody could ever hear? You ready? Here it is. God loves you. He is head over heels in love with you. And when you've taken him up on his offer of love and you've received Christ as Savior and you are his child, then you experience that the great heart of deity is set upon you and that his eyes of love as your heavenly Father are always upon you. Now, you may observe yourself as being weak and as being frail. Friends, on the authority of God's Word, I want to just remind you on this last day of this year, on the eve of a new year, that He never, ever stops looking at you. 
He never stops thinking of you. He never has any thoughts of you except thoughts of love. He never speaks a word of you except it's a word of love. He never acts toward you in any way other than an act of love. What a great promise. Yes, he loves everybody. But there's an unimaginable depth to experience in that love when we know that we are his people. Just as Israel knew they were his people, we have entered into the new covenant. I would to God that you could visualize today that his eyes are on you here at the end of the year, and they're going to be on you from the beginning of the year to the end of the coming year. These are eyes of love. Folks, would you hear your interim pastor today? God is not glaring at you in anger. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. Don't ask me to explain that love. Just ask the Holy Spirit to cause you to experience it in your innermost person. Oh, I know you may feel small, you may feel insignificant, you may feel obscure, but I want to make this promise to you. What Moses said is still true. His eyes, the eyes are upon you. But I want you to note this second phrase, the eyes of the Lord. Friend, it's not as if God is saying through his servant Moses that he loves us and so he's going to send an angel to protect us or to guide us or to watch over us. He intends to do that and he does do that himself. These are the Lord's own eyes, the eyes of the Lord. You know, there are some times in life that you just don't want to substitute. Amen? I mean, you're probably going to watch certain football games, some of you tomorrow, right? And in this bowl season, you probably have a favorite team. And you know, when it's an important game, you, you don't want the head coach, especially at a very important time, in that game, you know, when it's fourth and one, to put in an untested player, put in one of the early recruits, put in a, a freshman who's never been on the field. You want your star athlete to run that play. Amen, Brandon? That's what you want. You don't want a substitute. Man, if you're sick or you're facing surgery, you want your doctor. Amen? You don't, you don't want the uh, physician's assistant or, or some other doctor because he's away on his vacation. Remember when you were sick? As a child, you didn't want your babysitter. You wanted mama, right? You wanted your own parents. And folks, we have a promise today that God's eyes and God's presence is going to be with us all year long. Anybody in the house glad that he doesn't delegate that responsibility to someone else like an angel? We are not going to be in the hands of any lesser than God. I want to take you over to Exodus chapter 33. The Lord was angry with Israel because of their sin with making the golden calf. And I want you to look at these verses there on the screen. The Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your offspring, I will give it. And then he said this, I will send an angel before you. 
and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Termites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And he said, go up to a land flowing the milk and honey. But look at this. He says, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. God said, I'm going to send an angel, but I'm not going. Moses begins to intercede with the Lord for his people. He begins to tell the Lord, I, I want to know you. I want to know your ways. I, I want to know your favor. And so God relents. And I want you to look on the screen. We picked up up there in verse 14 of Exodus chapter 33. And he said, this is good news. God said this, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, Moses said, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Get that? Moses said, if you're not going, we're not going. We've got to have you, God. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. What a great promise in facing a new year. It's not that God's going to send an angel, some substitute, some lesser being. We can rest in his presence. Remember what he said there in verse 14? My presence will go with you, with you, and I will give you rest. Anybody need the presence of God in 2024? Anybody happy that he's not going to delegate that to some secondary agent? The eyes of the Lord. That word is Yahweh. It's Jehovah God. It's that self-existent living one are going to be on us all year long. Sometime in this bowl season, probably tomorrow night if you're watching football, you're going to hear that blasted fight song from the Longhorns. The eyes of Texas are upon you, right? All the what? Live long day. Friend, I want to tell you the eyes of Yahweh are upon us all the live long year. From the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And all that he was to Israel in the wilderness and in the new land, in the promised land, he will be to us. We get to experience his grace. We get to experience his glory. We get to experience his guidance in the new year. But now look at the next phrase. Those eyes of the Lord are always on it. Obviously us in the promised land living. How could God do that if he were not God? We can barely keep one thing in our sight. And yet God says, I'm going to keep and affect all of my people in my sight. Oh, friends, I know that unbelief will often raise this ugly head. And we'll think, God doesn't see me. God doesn't care for me. God's not really interested in me. He's got a whole universe to run. He's too busy for me. Or we may think, he's lost my address. This text serves as a reminder, oh no. Not only has he not forgotten you, he is not for one moment in this new year. From the beginning of it to the end of it, going to take his eyes 
off of you. And lean into this. He's going to see you, dear friend, if you're one of his children, as narrowly and carefully and tenderly and lovingly as if you were the only child he had. What if you were the only Christian in the world whose prayers God had to answer? What if you were the only person alive whose problems God had to solve? What if you were the only one whose needs God had to meet? But friends, when you're talking about an infinite God and you as his child, it is exactly that way. We, we may not see ourselves that way. We may be disappointed in ourselves. We're coming out of this old year. and We've messed up. We may even despise ourselves because of our, our sins or our short, uh, shortcomings. But friends, let me remind you, when God looks at you, if you're his child, he sees you as being in Christ. You are in Christ. So when he looks at you, he's looking at his darling son, the one about whom he said he was well pleased. And he's well pleased with you and with me because we are in Christ. His eyes always upon us, our future, our promised land. But if that weren't enough, look at this last phrase. From the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Wow. Friends, let me tell you what that means about 2024. There's not going to be one single day, not one single hour, not one single minute, not one single second in this new year, but what the eyes of Yahweh, Jehovah God, are going to be upon you. Let me ask you this. Do you think there's a time when you could afford to be without God? How about in times of prosperity? No, the, the specialness of God's blessings in our lives. Or we know where they came from, right? And there's a great danger. If we get up on a pinnacle of, of benefiting and being blessed, the higher we are, the, the more precipitous the situation. And the harder we fall, if we're not dependent upon God, we can get a little too lofty and a little too proud. You think you can do without God in times of adversity? Ask a broken-hearted person. Ask somebody who's gone through heartbreak and trouble and, and tragedy. The very thought of it is terrifying. Is any period of your life you think you could do without the eyes of the Lord on you when you're young, like a little lamb? You'd just be lost. Middle age, maybe? Think about all the burdens and the problems and the pressures and the trials. Senior adult life, maybe? That, that's terrible to even think about. Thank God that his eyes are always upon us. There's not a moment that we could ever afford to be without him. Friends, I promise you this. If God ever lifted his gaze from us for one second, it would be chaos and it would be utter disaster in our lives. Oh, when you, when you examine this text, when you break it down, it is so precious and to understand it rightly, I think so really, really the only way to face a new year, not a second of it, is going to be outside of his care. Now you may have noticed in our breaking down this verse that I left out a couple of words. Put them up on the screen, fellas. The eyes of the Lord, your God. As precious as his promise is, as beautiful as the phrases are, those are the most precious words in that verse. 
So I've come by today to ask, is he your God? Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? Is he your Father? Can you say the Lord is not just a shepherd or the shepherd, but the Lord is my shepherd? Praise his name. that We can have such a near and dear relationship with him. Let this text speak to you today and carry it with you throughout the year. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's the majority of the message is under point number one. But let me just share point number two with you. I want us to do something else with this text. Yeah, we can examine it and we have and break it down. But let's envision this text as if it were bottomed up. What I'm saying is let's invert it. Let's turn it around. Let's flip it. What if it said the eyes of the Lord's people are upon him from the beginning of the year to the end of the year? To read it wrongly is to understand it rightly. Friends, we'll only understand God's sight of us when we get our sight on him. We got to see him. We got to discern him through the eyes of faith. Otherwise, everything that we've just said, everything that he provides will not be enjoyed by us. If the Lord's eyes are going to be upon us, how much more should our eyes be upon him? You know what's amazing to me? How many Christians go months, weeks, days without, without ever really gazing forward? I'm not talking about just walking outside and looking at the heavens. Friends, here's where you're going to find him. You're going to find him in this book. Beyond this sacred page, I see you, O oh Lord, the old hymn says. You know, Jesus said to some folks, you, you search the Scriptures because you think in them you have life, but you will not come to me that you might have life. And he said, they testify of me. Friends, you want to see the Lord? You've got to get in His Word. I cannot suggest strongly enough to you Read God's Word every day in 2024. Go online, just Google the words Bible reading plan. Get you a Bible reading plan. If you, if you can't find one, I've got one. You can see me. I, I'll give you one I developed for a couple of years ago, and I just finished yesterday reading through the Bible again this year. But we, we see Him. We gaze upon Him in His Word. Sadly, tragically, we, we seem to keep our eyes on so many frivolous things that trouble us and distract us and worry us. And we forget the great truths that could really make us happy. You know, one of my favorite stories comes in the Old Testament. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And old King Jehoshaphat has just received word there in Judah that three armies that are marching against him and the people of God. And so what does he do? He calls for a solemn assembly. He calls for a fast. He has a prayer meeting. That's a novel idea, is it not? And then we have this recorded prayer of Jehoshaphat. And look at verse 12 of that chapter. I love this. Here's what King Jehoshaphat said. Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them, right, on these enemies that are coming? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. And how many times have I prayed something like this? 
We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Is that not a good word, church? When you've got things coming at you like three armies, you don't know what to do. Just say, oh God, my eyes are upon you. We need the same attitude as the first few verses of this Psalm of Ascent. Look on the screen at Psalm 123, the first couple of verses. To you, that is to God, I lift up my eyes. Oh, you who are enthroned in the heavens, behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. Can I suggest a New Year's resolution to you, dear Crossroads community family? In this coming year, make a commitment. Be resolute that you're going to keep your eyes on the Lord. Church family, I would to God that you would make that your prayer. Help us as a family of faith, as an oikos, a household of God. Help us at this dear church to keep our focus, to keep our eyes centered on you. Why? Because his eyes are always on us. And what a blessed meeting of the eyes it can be. He looks down from heaven and he says, I sure do do love you guys. And we look up to him and say, we love you, Lord. It's like a gaze of two people who are deeply in love, looking into the eyes of of one another. Friends, that's what real communion is. And that's what makes life enjoyable and worth the living. The presence of God. His eyes on us. Our eyes on Him. So we've examined this text. We've broken it down. We've envisioned this test, this verse, as if it's bottomed up. Our eyes on Him. But note a third thing. Let's eliminate this text as if it were blotted out. Now, we can't do that, and we wouldn't do that if we could. But just suppose this promise of God's eyes being on us the whole year was blotted out. Just eliminate it. Imagine life without His gaze on us. Imagine living all year long without the eyes of the Lord on you. Friends, what a horrible thought to not for one moment in the coming year perceive His caring for us, His his being gracious to us. No one to appeal to but our fellow man. While we would just go shivering alone through the winter And we'd go straining on through the spring and sweating through the summer and struggling through the fall. No God. No prayer. No power. No peace. No purpose. No help. No comfort. It's unimaginable. But friend, without Jesus, that's exactly where somebody is. They are rejecting him. Maybe I'm talking to somebody in this worship center or engaging with us online. This is where you are. You've never truly received Christ. You're rejecting his presence and his care and his life and his peace and his hope and his joy from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. 
What if I were to say to you, you can't pray in 2024. And if you do, there's not going to be anybody there to answer you. That'd be terrible to think about. But look at these couple of passages. Look on the screen in Isaiah 59 and verse 2. But your iniquities, God says, have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have what? Hidden his face from you. That's where a lost person lives. It's not loving eyes of God, tenderly caring for that lost person. His face is hidden by their own decision. And then I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, right? And his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Friend, can I tell you what hell is? Hell is a place where God has turned his face away forever. He's already turned his face away one time from your sin and my sin when his son hung on the cross. That's why Jesus, so dirty and filthy with the sin of all mankind, cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But that'll be the cry of somebody in hell forever. If you were just to eliminate this text, just totally blot it out, maybe just the thought of that will awaken somebody today to the need for Christ. Oh, examine it. Break it down. Envision it as if it's bottomed up. Our eyes on Him. Eliminate it. Blot it out. But note this fourth and final thing we need to do this verse. Let's embrace this text as it is believed upon. You know, a couple of verses, Romans 15, 4, Paul says, for whatever was written in former days, he's talking about in the Old Testament, was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. It's written down for our sake. And then look over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul's talking about the wilderness experience of the people of God before they went in the promised land. And in verse 11, he says, Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. So, if this text is true, and it is true, how should we then live? I recommend number one, let's be happy. That old fellow got it right when he sang, don't worry, be happy. Happy New Year. We ought to be the most joyous people in all of the world. There's going to be trials, yes, in the coming year. There's going to be trouble. But God has not left us alone. Here's a second suggestion. Let's march on boldly. Individually, as families, and as a church, just as surely as he led Israel with a pillar of fire by night, pillar of cloud by day. Friend, he'll lead us on into the future that he has for every single one of us. Just as surely as God's people enter the promised land and we enter a new year, whatever it holds, this ought to be our attitude. Bring it on. Why? Because I've got the eyes of the Lord on me from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. How can we be lazy? How can we be lethargic? How can we be apathetic? How can we be lukewarm? Our best days are still ahead. Do you believe that about Crossroads Community Church? That your best days are still ahead. He's always leading forward. And his eyes remain on you. And then I'd say this. Let's cast 
all our care upon him because he cares for us. Let's rest in the promise that the Lord is our shepherd. And so we shall not want and we shall not worry. Remember that promise over there in Exodus 33? We read it. The Lord said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I ran across a poem. The author is unknown. I've searched and searched. And everywhere I find this poem, it just says author unknown. But as we close out this year and we enter a new year, I want you to just listen to this poem. It's called His Unfailing Presence. Another year I enter. It's history unknown. Oh, how my feet would tremble to tread its paths alone. But I've heard a whisper. I know I shall be blessed. My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. What will the new year bring me? I may not, must not know. Will it be love and rapture or loneliness and woe? Hush, hush. I hear his whisper. I surely shall be blessed. My presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. Anybody up for rest in the new year? Note this final statement there by way of conclusion. May we rest in the blessed assurance that God's presence will go with us into the new year. How do I know that? Because his word still stands. The eyes of the Lord are going to be on us from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Amen, church. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. In just a moment, we're going to sing the great old hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. What a great song to end the last service on the last day, the last Sunday of this year. Just saying to the Lord, great is your faithfulness, Lord. As you have been, thou forever wilt be, the song says. As he was to Israel, he'll be to us. As he's been to you, friends, has he ever failed you? Have, have his eyes ever been off of you? Have you ever been without his presence? No, no. He's going to be with you and watch you and guide you and lead you and strengthen you and give you his help and his hope and his peace and his joy and his comfort in the new year. Now, if you're not one of his children, listen, not everybody's God's child. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You can't accept this promise as being for you. You're not yet a promised land person. You've not crossed over into the new life like Israel went into a new land. Today could be your day. On this last day of the year, you could say, you know what? I'm going to get out of the Savior business. I'm going to place my trust in Jesus. We'll help you. Brother Brandon and I are going to be standing here at the front. If you've never received Christ, you just... Walk down as we sing. Take us by the hand. We'll, we'll take it from there. Or maybe it was another time or place that you trusted Jesus, but you've never followed through with baptism. We could schedule that. Or if you want to join the Crossroads community family, you can do that today. 
or if you just need to make a fresh start, put this old year behind you. Rest in the fact that the eyes of the Lord will be on you all year long and just surrender afresh to keep your eyes on Him. Maybe you'd want to make that chair an altar or maybe come and pray with Brother Brandon or myself. Just do some business here with the Lord. Father, have your way now, we pray in this invitation. Would you give courage to any who need to step out and come? Some to trust you, some to surrender to you, some to make this their church family for a new year. We give you this time, and through it we praise you because great is thy faithfulness. We pray these things in Christ's name.